Welcome to Founders Time Podcast, where founders shine. Have you ever thought, I have this idea and I'd love to start a business. I'm just not sure how. Then you're in the right place. Founders Time aimed to inform and empower female vetpreneurs, military, veteran, and military spouses entrepreneurs by sharing actionable steps, tips, and resources to grow your business lean and smart. Everything you would need to start, scale, and succeed. Now, your host, Nierka Castaneda. Hi, how you doing? This is uh, Nierka Castaneda with Fondestine Podcast. Um, and we have here, how you doing? Hi. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Brendan okay. Roberts. I'm an agent with World Financial Group. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I've been, served for about four years before I got out with an honorable discharge. I was in a lot of different industries. I was in security. I worked at a gym, retail, kind of all over the place. And then about four years ago, I was working at a gun range, and I was discovered by one of the top brokers in our company. And they invited me for an interview. They liked my personality, and uh, I got onboarded pretty quickly because I loved the crusade and the message of the company. Basically, when I joined, they said that this is something that you can make your own, something that you can do on your own schedule from home or the office, and whatever you need to do, we'll provide it for you and we'll help you along. And while that was really great, what really stuck out to me was the fact that I was able to take care of my family in ways that I had never been able to do before. Uh, back in 2008, my parents lost everything. They were about $400,000 in debt. Uh, they had just bought a giant apartment building that they wanted to rent and lease and get money from because they wanted to retire. They were in their early 50s. And now, almost 12 years later, they're still in debt because of what happened in 2007 and 2008. Uh, I helped them uh, financially. Uh, with bills and other expenses and I personally uh, you know about as much as I can and my greatest desire in this company is to make sure that families don't ever have to go through what I went through and if I can do that for free and bring value to them and their family members as well and that's really what it's all about and I love to do it I, I feel like coming from a Christian background and from the military I have a heart to serve and being able to be in business with such amazing people who have the exact same heart that I do to serve and make sure that families are taken care of. It's a, it's a wonderful experience and it's a wonderful working environment. That's wonderful. And, you know, and coming for a place that yet, you know, you know what, uh, people have a stake. Uh, anything can change one minute, so you need to be prepared. Um, financially and you know emotionally so what do you think is one of the the most important uh way that people can prepare uh those emergency like COVID-19 it can happen anytime right this was pretty big sure. but it does happen usually every five years there's something going on uh, so how can better people prepare 
I mean, there are so many different ways to answer that. My go-to uh, when I sit down with families is a kind of a different list depending on the person and the situation. But first and foremost, you want to live below your means. If you're making a thousand dollars a month and your expenses are only $500 a month, don't go and look for a place where your expenses become a thousand. You don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. You want it to live below your means so that you can put aside that extra income towards savings. So you can put it towards retirement, uh, a college fund, if that's what you want to do for your children or even yourself. There's so many different things that people can do. So the first one would be to live below your means. Uh, one of my executives that I have a, a great personal relationship with, she, even making six figures passively every year, was living in a 600 square foot apartment with her husband because they wanted to save, build their emergency fund, and really prepare for the future. First thing would be that. Live below your means. The second one would be be disciplined and make sure you're putting money towards something greater than today. Again, that could be retirement, a college fund, emergency fund for yourself, paying off a debt at a faster rate than the minimum. If you have a mortgage that's $1,000 a month, paying $1,500, so it's paid off a little earlier as long as it's within your financial means. Don't go out every single day to the restaurant or to Starbucks or to McDonald's, wherever your money might be trickling away. Limit yourself. I know that when I was not in this company and I did not have a good financial education, I would go to bars all the time. I would go out to the movies all the time. I would constantly spend my money because in my head I thought, well, I have money, why not spend it? Now, moving forward, and I'm looking at people like my parents and other clients that I've sat down with and helped, I'm realizing more and more every day that having an extra couple thousand dollars or more in the bank to rely on is very important. Before I could never take a vacation because I never had money saved. My parents can't take vacations because they don't have money saved. All their money is going towards debt. A lot of people don't have money saved, especially now during COVID. They lost their jobs and they were unemployed. Well, if they had a good financial planner or a good financial professional like myself helping them and educating them, they might have had a couple months saved up so they weren't so desperate for uh, you know, the next job or the next paycheck to come in. It's very, uh, it's not surprising, but it's very sad to know that statistically 80, 80 to 85% of the country of America has less than $1,000 saved, but has more than $1,000 in debt. So when your debt is so high, but your savings and what you have in the back of your pocket to kind of give yourself a lifeline is so low, it's very disheartening. And my goal in my business and everyone I try to educate is to show them the power of having a good discipline and savings plan in place for themselves and their family. And then finally, it would really have to be a personal question of where do you see yourself in 10, 20, 30 years? Do you, uh, you know, Joe Public, do you want to retire at 60 years old with nothing and have to live off of very limited social security that may or may not be there when you retire? Or would you like to retire at 50 years old and be able to travel the world with your family or make the decisions on your own instead of thinking, well, I only have this much per month. What should I do with it? Financial freedom is the goal. 
when I sit down with someone is to show them that roadmap. And since we do it for free, it's even more empowering because people aren't worried about, well, how much is Brendan going to charge me to help me? It's like nothing at all. I love to give you the education for free and you can go to school or do your own research. And that might take hours, days, months, years, or it might take very little time depending on how sharp you are and how much research you're able to do in your free time. Or you can come to me and my business partners and we can teach you for free very quickly and succinctly in a detailed manner. And then you can do your own follow-up research after we've given you the points to really focus on so you don't waste your time. Sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> so right now we have so many business that are going under. What is... Uh, what is a, a kind of uh, financial planning or, or insurance they should have have in place? Like what are the most important? Because there's a lot of insurance. There's a lot of, of different things that it could have been done to um, keep them uh, not being on the water right now. No, sure. So what would a, what is something that a, a business a startup should be looking for? They should always be looking for the market and the need. What is the sacrifice and the responsibility they're going to have to take on versus the reward and the growth they're willing to push through to achieve? For instance, Amazon is so extremely successful because there's no brick and mortar store. There's no overhead for Amazon. When you get down to it, Amazon for the last 20 years, except for very recently, was an online mall. Amazon does not have any products. They do not have any locations. They might now, but up that was very recent. And they didn't really have employees in the, in the sense that they had to provide benefits and they had to provide retirement and medical, things of that nature. It was, here is my platform. Now, other companies sell your own stuff. You pay us, we take a cut of the profits, but all we are is uh, serving as a platform and a gathering area, as it were, for people to sell and purchase goods. So in the same vein, a lot of people are starting to go towards that and are going bankrupt and because they weren't able to keep up with the times. JCPenney, for instance, has declared bankruptcy. They're closing uh, dozens, if not hundreds of locations because they're so massive and they incorporate so many different brands and uh, pieces of clothing and jewelry and all the different items that you see when you go into a JCPenney. But the problem is JCPenney is also online. So they're paying for two different services when really they don't need to be paying all that. And I live in California. So the property costs and taxes here are, it, it, they're astronomical. Now imagine if you took all your inventory out of this building, brick and mortar building, at a mall down the road, and you just threw it up online, and now you have less overhead, you, you're not paying employees, you have no more benefits that you have to pay out, retirement, medical, on all of those, and now you have just pure profit. It doesn't cost me, the JCPenney owner, to put everything in a warehouse. I mean, it costs a little bit, a little rental space for a warehouse, but that's not that big a deal. And then I pay some people for the shipping. 
But now I've gone from 80 to 100 employees, a giant brick and mortar building and all of the liability and overhead that comes with it. And it's now gone. What are you going to do? Keep all the liability and expenses or downsize and renovate, uh, you know, revitalize, revitalize your company to keep up with the times. And that's why Amazon is so successful. That's why World Financial Group is so successful. We're not brick and mortar. We can have an office like I'm in right now. I could work from home if I chose. I could work on a plane. I could, uh, I could live on a private island and I could do all of my work from the computer with Zoom. Zoom was incredible for our industry before because we weren't keeping up with the times until very recently. It was, you have to drive to the person's home. The person has to drive to the office for the interview or the meeting or the sit down, the training, whatever it might've been. And that cost a lot of people. They weren't able to make the appointment because they didn't want to drive. And we could have years ago, or maybe not years and years, but up until recently for a longer period of time, we could have said, hey, you can't make the 30 minute drive. No worries. Let's jump on a Zoom call. Get on FaceTime. Let's Skype. Whatever the program that you want to use to make yourself successful. Up until six months ago, I only had clients and business partners in California. Now I have clients and business partners in 16 states, 16 other states. And in our industry, that's considered small. There are executives that have people in every single state. And that was all within the last six months. They went from maybe four or five licenses in the, in the country. Now they have licensed in every single state. They have offices and people working in every single state in order to bring the financial education to families in order to make them successful. So that's to get down to the core, yeah. And to get down to the core of your question, business, businesses need to keep up with the times, figure out where they're spending too much money and change. Now here's the big problem with that though. Like the JCPenney example. You might have 100 employees in JCPenney for different uh, areas, men's department, women's department, makeup, jewelry, shoes, whatever it might be. When you change and you keep up with the times and you update your business strategy, they're going to lose a lot of jobs. That's a lot more income for the company, but that's a lot of people who are no longer necessary. And I hate to use the word, the word non-essential and essential, but in a world that is constantly being changed by technology, it's really the only word needed. I shouldn't say essential, but necessary. Human is, a human element is always, a, is always necessary and is always an essential thing. But when you come at it from a money standpoint, business owners and uh, presidents, CEOs, they're always going to look at the bottom line, which is the dollar. For instance, another example would be uh, helicopter pilots taking tours. A lot of those companies have gone under because you can, for a couple hundred dollars, you can buy your own drone, another hundred dollars or so, buy a GoPro, attach it, and you can fly your drone around the city and you can get the exact same uh, tour as it were, only you're not spending thousands of dollars every time you go. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, um, one of the things that COVID-19 has done is that it has accelerated the change that was already happening. And yeah. we go in virtual, virtual is going to be far, it's not going to go away. 
Um, eventually, we're going to have uh, physical interaction, but virtual is still going to be there because it makes business sense. Right. You know, and if we make business um, sense, people are going to adapt it. And another analogy, an example of that is movie theaters. I don't know if you're familiar with the chain Regal Cinemas, uh, Edwards Regal Cinemas, but I heard on the radio just last uh, Monday, just a couple days ago, they're closing 500 locations. 500 locations. If you look at the bare minimum, that's going to be about 10 to 20 people per location. They're going under. That's thousands okay. of people who are now out of work permanently because Regal can just open their own streaming service, really. And honestly, Regal might be completely obsolete because all these uh, movie produ producers and these production companies, they're going straight to stream. They have Disney Plus, you have Stars and HBO and HBO Max, and you have Amazon Prime. Wow. That's pure profit. Disney just blew it, right? They <laughs> they skipped the theater release that went with Mulan, and they released it on on Disney Plus. They got yeah. more subscribers, and they make uh, millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, so yes, unfortunately, movies are going away. I do like my experience of going to the movies, but I think that's not something that's going to stay around too long. <laughs> Um, oh, and and a lot good. of the malls, uh, I went to get Ripple first. They already been talking about uh, Ripple first in the the mall as a fulfillment center because they they have great locations. Yeah. Uh, so that the real estate itself is going to get reutilized, uh, but it's not going to be the same as it was before because right. it don't make sense. They're going under. And it's all uh, it's all outdoors now. Restaurants are all outdoors. They're not, and right there again, outside of the kitchen, you don't really need an indoor anymore. Imagine how much money all the re all the restaurant owners are going to save when they downsize to less than a third of what they're currently using now, because all they really need is storage, a kitchen, and a place to make drinks. Everything else can be done outside in the open. Now, obviously, that's going to create problems when weather comes around, but people are innovative like they are now. Well, um, I don't know if you know the term uh, ghost kitchen, but that's something that is actually going up uh, in demand. Um, do you understand what ghost kitchen is? So is this like uh, virtual restaurants? Yeah, they're, they're like virtual oh, restaurants. Oh, okay. And they get delivered. You can you can order deliver and everything at home. And actually, the big chains of restaurants they actually investing on on ghost uh, kitchen. And the demand is going off the roof right now because of that same reason. They just need a commercial kitchen. They prepare the food and they send it out. They don't need to rent space or nothing else. They just need a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And people are actually enjoying that more because instead of wear and tear on a car, paying for gas and oil and et cetera, they can just order taken. And now, uh, and of course, uh, the 
drunk driving has gone down significantly because people aren't going out. <laughs> Definitely. That's a little bit of a, a nice silver lining to it. <laughs> um, okay. One questions. And so right now there, there's going to be a big change coming, you know, more change coming. Uh, besides everything right now, we, we're facing a wave of foreclosures, a wave of uh, financial duress because everything being kind of cushioned uh, because of the government aid and everything else, that's going to go, expected to go away um, really soon. Yeah, very soon. You have some people that are going to be in distress. You have some uh, potential investors that are, you know, they, they're going to, there's always opportunity and they're going to, um, you know, they had the, they had the opportunity before to have a house or, or have a real estate uh, property. Um, there's going to be the opportunity now. What's one of the things that they're going to, uh, they should be looking at, uh, they should be preparing financially for? Um, really, again, it's going to go back to what I said in the very beginning, making sure that they have money saved in case anything goes wrong. That's the biggest thing so many people don't realize is the what if. They don't prepare for the what if. No one really expects to die early. No one expects to get sick or get medically incapacitated, lose their job, get furloughed, uh, get into a car accident. No one expects and wants these things to happen, of course, because it's terrible. But what we need to do and what these investors need to do is make sure that they have prepared for the worst. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. The best would be all the jobs come back, everyone's successful and everyone's happy and all the properties go well. So that's the hope, of course, and that's what we all want, that's what we all pray for and expect and want. But we should also plan in case everything goes wrong. Because if you prepare for everything going wrong, you're not surprised and you're not uh, scrambling to help right the ship and fix things because let's say I went in and I bought a property. I put the down payment 20 to 40%. Uh, if I have that much cash flow and just liquid to put down, and then I take on the debt, however much that may be. Well, if I have in my back pocket another 20 to 50% of the down payment just waiting, ready in case anything happens and the markets go down and I lose a lot of money or I go further into debt with creditors, I know that cash-wise, I'm able to take care of myself, I'm able to take care of my family. I'm not relying on one thing. I've got a backup plan, a plan B, I've got a safety net. That would be uh, the biggest thing that people need to prepare for and have in their back pocket. And then don't have a one plan. Don't think, okay, all my money is going to this goal, this dream, and if it doesn't work, I'm done. And I will have to file for unemployment or I have to go in a different direction. Oh, have a dream, but have a couple backups along the way in case this one doesn't work perfectly the first time. You still have a foundation, you're still able to grow and build, and then you can come back to it when you're ready. And that's uh, something that a lot of people go through is they, they meet failure and they expect that to happen again and again. And so they quit completely and then they take a step back. 
what people should be doing. And this is what my firm teaches constantly and really pushes on people is look, you're going to face hardship. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face failure. Don't look at that as the universe telling you to quit. Look at that as the universe preparing you for all the glory and all the benefits and all the success down the road. There's not a single entrepreneur who is successful that got successful overnight. It was always a struggle. It was always faced with failure. It was always dealt with setbacks. No matter who you ask. I mean, I can't think of a single successful person today that did not go through a trial period or a, uh, a difficult time in their career or in their life. Whether it's personal, business, doesn't matter. There's always some kind of crucible that we go through. And as long as we make it out on the other side, still fighting, still ready to be successful and keep pushing, there's no limit to what people can achieve, no matter what their industry or what their dreams are. That's pretty cool. Very amazing. And it is true. It's completely true, you know. Um, we should always... No, we have to have a plan. We have to um, prepare and be resilient, you know. You fall, that's just natural part of life, right? You fall, you dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and keep on going, keep driving. So that's that's great advice. Um, any other windows, any other uh, nuggets that you want to talk and point out to? What would you like somebody to tell you before? before you started this road? I would have loved, if I could go back to myself early on when I first started, I or even earlier on when I was in high school, when I first joined the Marine Corps, I would have liked someone to have said what I, I mentioned earlier, expect the worst, prepare for the struggle, understand that you will fail. Because when I first started in my head, I always thought, everyone's going to come on board. Everyone's going to be successful with me. Everyone's going to say yes and be happy. And it's going to be a breeze. I was woefully ignorant in that mindset and uh, very immature in that thought process because I love it. Why won't everyone else? So I would have definitely, the number one thing would have been expect the struggle and really embrace it. Enjoy your time as a young entrepreneur, as someone who's just starting and learning and enjoy the struggle. On top of that, I would have also pushed forward to read more, a lot more books. I've read hundreds, if not thousands of books in my lifetime, uh, but very few of them up until the last couple of years were about business, personal development, uh, the entrepreneurial mindset, growing in a, in a business area and industry so books like how to win friends and influence people wonderful book uh think and grow rich another wonderful book to read anything by john maxwell wonderful author uh napoleon hill his books no matter which one it is is incredible um there's a book called max out it's only 100 pages by a gentleman named ed milet he is extremely successful and a, a wonderful entrepreneur and example of struggle and success in business. There are people like Tony Robbins, incredible speaker and motivator who's written many books 
anyone who picks up his works uh, will definitely benefit. And I mean, there are so many that I could go over. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, um, The Richest Man in Babylon, another amazing book told in a, as application to business and uh, finance and money and how to grow yourself. And then I guess the other thing I would say to myself and wish I had known was embrace not only the struggle and reading and everything like that, but embrace mentorship. Uh, when I first started, I was very uncoachable. I wanted to do everything myself because I felt that if I relied on others, it wouldn't be my success. And if it wasn't my success, then I wouldn't be legitimate and I wouldn't be able to help others. That is an incredibly foolish and ignorant thing to think, uh, no matter what area of your life you are in. No matter how successful you are, no matter how good you are at something, there's always someone better or there's always someone that you can learn from, either by their successes or their failures. My mentors, I will never be able to thank enough for the time, effort, energy, and just encouragement they've given me because even at my lowest point when I was being negative and I was being almost detrimental to my own mindset, my business, and even some almost to a point where I was affecting others in uh, my area, they were always lifting me up. They would never put me down and say, don't come in today. It was always, look, whenever you're ready, we're here. We want to help. It's up to you, though. You have to meet us halfway. It's like the, uh, the painting in St. Peter's Cathedral in the vast kind of lounging back with his finger. And God is, is reaching out as quick as far as he can. That's what it's like being in business and having mentors. You don't want to be the atom with your mentors reaching out to you. You want to be reaching right back and saying, yes, thank you so much for all the help, encouragement, and guidance you've given to me. So I guess to sum it up, my top three would be embrace the struggle, read more, and be coachable uh, immediately. Don't wait to stop being ignorant and listen to others who've been where you've already been. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. That's and so true, every single one of them. You, you can never stop reading because um, especially all the entrepreneurs and, and books that you mentioned, they already went through the struggle. So you can learn from that. Um, you know, plan to be successful and yeah. get it done. Something I would I, ca I would caution people, and I always caution those that I sit down with, you are either business partners or uh, clients of mine, is know your source. I can't tell you how many times people will say no or say yes or want to wait because they want to ask someone else. And I'm extremely happy when people want to talk to others and they want to do their own research and they want to find out for themselves. It's like, that's fantastic. I don't want you to think I'm the only person that you can speak to. But when that other person is their mechanic or their plumber or their friend from church or their friend from the bar and that person, whoever it is, whatever their relationship is, whether it's family, friend, or a casual acquaintance, if that, unless that person is achieving and being successful in life, they don't have debt, they are uh, making decisions for the person via bills or some kind of support, or if they're not 
uh, licensed or they're not trained in the industry that you're looking into and asking questions about, they, they really shouldn't be given that power over your life. I would never ask my plumber for help with electrician issues. I would ask my electrician. The same way I wouldn't take my car to a financial advisor or financial professional and say, hey, my, my car's acting up, Mr. Financial Person. Please help me. I would take it to my mechanic. In the same vein, I'm not going to take my financial questions and my financial struggles and uh, issues to the mechanic. Unless that mechanic, of course, is out of debt, very successful, knows all of these financial uh, quirks and all these financial secrets and uh, you know details, and if they're actually a professional in the industry I'm talking about. When I sit down with a client and I lay it out for them and I say, if there's any questions, please let me know. Do you have any anything you need me to clarify? And they say, well, I need to talk to my, you know, my, uh, my friend from college who works at the coffee shop. Okay, like, look, if that's who you want to ask, go ahead. But just make sure you know that they're coming from your exact same level. And they are not going to be able to provide the same level of education that I am, or not even me personally, someone in my industry is going to be able to. If you need to talk to someone who is also in the financial industry, please do. I would love for you to bring them onto a call with me because they might know something I don't. They might have insight that I don't have. I'm, my entire purpose is to make sure that you, whomever you are that I'm sitting in front of is taken care of. Now, if I'm the best person for that, great. You should come with me and you should you know, allow me to lead and guide you. If it's not me, then don't go with me. And I've said that to multiple clients. Look, if you can find a better situation or a better answer than what I've given you, you need to go with that person because they're better at their job or they have better solutions than I'm able to offer. Because at the core of my being and my profession, the client is the most important person. And when I say client, I don't mean client as in the person who I get money from in some way, shape or form, but the client is in the family that I want to take care of because I never want them to go through what my family went through. Thank you. Yes. And sure, our listeners appreciate uh, what are you saying? But that's important, right? We want to have um, a person that that really looking for or benefit when we take financial um, advice, and we need to prepare. We need to be prepared when emergencies like this happen. Um, how our listeners will be able to find you if they want to book an appointment with uh, you and they want to get yeah, yeah. So they, yeah so they can uh, email me uh, uh, it's com, or they can call me on my cell phone uh, if you want I can chat it into you or you can uh, post it along with this video. Um, just let me know which would be best. I'm not really on uh, social media as much as I should with business. Uh, so it's definitely something that everyone in our industry needs to social media, getting the, the platform and the message out there that to pay 
hundreds and thousands for as to a financial profits of the industry offered to people who don't have a liquid half million. If you go to the other big uh, companies, that's what you have to do. You have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars and you have to pay for this kind of information and help. With us, you don't need to. You want a free financial uh, analysis and roadmap to success. That's what we're here for. Comes to me and says, Brendan, what do I, what do I do? I say, look, let's take down all your information. Let's get back together in a day or two. And based on what you want your life to be like, that's what I'm going to show you to the best of my ability. And if you like it, great. If you don't, we can change or update it. But the most important thing, regardless if, if it's me or whomever they, they end up going to, most important thing is to just ask the question, make that first step. Don't wait until you are, you think you are financially ready or you think that you're prepared finally to start saving money. You can start saving $5 a day, $5 a month. Do it. Start somewhere. That way it builds the muscle, it builds the discipline, and it will eventually compound and grow into something that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yes, you need to create a habit, right? And you need to diverse, yeah. uh, diversify your funds. And I have an emergency plan. Before it was three months, now we're talking about almost six months. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit longer. So we definitely need to plan for it. And I'm so glad that you came over and, and you wanted to give us all this wisdom, right? Um, oh, appreciate it. You know, pleasure. I'm sure our listeners going to appreciate as well. Um, before you leave, I do have a, one more question. Um, as a Marine, thank you for your service. Um, as a former Army veteran myself, um, we have so many soldiers that leave the service totally unprepared. Every day they leave the service and they spend from three to 15 or 20 years on the service. They still they had everything and they end up leaving and they're not prepared at all. What would you recommend to them? I would recommend going outside of the military for help. The military, as amazing as they are in helping you in the moment, the second you're gone, there's very little assistance uh, outside of the VA. And yes. the VA, like anything, has its own issues, but the VA is also incredible. The fact that we're able to get that kind of uh, health care, even though it might not be as fast as we like, it's still there that we have access to. But when it comes to retirement, the, the military doesn't have a lot. They don't really have uh, private financial people coming in and giving courses and training. They don't provide other options outside of uh, one or two different savings plans that may or may not be good for the individual. When you make a blanket statement or a blanket policy for every person, you're really doing people a disservice. 
that's why when I sit down with people, I don't say this is the product for you or, Hey, sit down. Let's talk about this product. It's the best. It's like, no, I'm going to take down your information, figure out what is best for you. And then I'm going to show that to you. And if you agree, let's move forward. And if you don't, let's reevaluate, come back to the table and figure out what is best for you because a thrift savings plan or uh, there is some new policies that the military have rolled out. Those might be the best thing in the entire world for that individual. But for the guy or girl next to them, it might be the worst. So I would highly recommend uh, to look outward, go online and figure out who is in the area that you trust. Go online to Facebook or Instagram and do a, just do a question say, Hey everyone, I'm looking for some financial help. Just need some questions answered. Anyone who has any advice, please message me. I guarantee they will get more value out of that and more diverse range of ideas that they can then pull from based on their own situation than uh, calling up the, the base financial people. Because unfortunately, they're not really in the trenches with them. They're not really constantly re-upping their knowledge. They've got one product, they've got one script, or they've got one line as it were, and they just keep on saying it over and over again because legally, that's all they're allowed to do. And it's not their fault. That's just how the military is structured. Uh, I cannot go on to a base and talk to the military members about this. It's illegal. It's not allowed. If I spoke yep. to them outside of base, one-on-one -on -one privately, uh, either in my office, at a bar, at a restaurant, uh, at the park, walking my dog, completely fine. But per the most recent laws and regulations that I've read and been updated on, I can go on and do a private financial class unless I get extremely special dispensation from uh, multiple higher ups that I do not have access to. <laughs> so uh, that would be my advice at its core. Do your own research, ask for help. That's the other big thing. No one asks. No one thinks to ask. They just say, well, my HR department at work said this was the best. So that's what I'm going to go with. So ask your own questions, seek your own help. Don't rely on others and their opinions. And then of course, you know, do follow up at the end of the year. If you don't like what you have based on what someone said was the best and you think it's not good, either, reevaluate and discuss it with them or just move on. If it's not working for you, then it's not what's going to be the best for you. As long as you take into account that all manner of savings and all manner of details that come along with finances and money and long-term take time. I'm not going to sit down with anyone and say, if you put this much in next year, you're going to have this much. It's if you put this much in, in 10 or 20 years, it will be this much. If you want me to guarantee you or make sure that you have the best shot at becoming a millionaire by whatever age you want to be a millionaire, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to do it. And if you are financially not able to put away enough money that will allow you to get to that income down the road, we have a solution for that too. You can sit down with me, see what it would be like to work with our company and you might be able to income that way there's always a solution there's always a way to achieve your goals as long as you're willing to 
work for it and sacrifice for it. Pretty good, pretty good. And so important, right? It's definitely something that the, our soldiers need to be and their families um, need to do because um, life at the military is not easy. It's not an easy transaction and you're not prepared for it. <laughs> you just make it a lot harder. <laughs> Definitely true. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, it was a pleasure having you yeah, here. Um, you're welcome to come back anytime. I appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. You know, any... Any parting words before? Uh, just that, just remember that you as an individual or you as a family member are always responsible for where your family goes. If your family are not millionaires, be the millionaire in your family to change it. If your family legacy has been getting by and barely making it, or just, you know, being there, be the change that puts them on the map. My family's never owned a yacht or a mansion or a private island or anything crazy or super special like that. They've been comfortable, they've gotten by and we've existed and, and been a happy family. I'm gonna be the difference in my family that creates that financial and that personal legacy of success and growth that 10 generations after I have passed away, they're still going to be remembering that, you know, their great, super great uncle or grandpa Brendan uh, is the reason that we have all the success and all of the comfort we have today. So take the, take the, make the sacrifice and, enjoy the the pain of struggle now so your family never has to that's true that's true you know we should all come from a mindset of abundance not scarcity so that's always good well thank you let me yeah, it was a pleasure having, thank you so much for having me so it has been fun this time. Let me stop um. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Founders Time Podcast. Remember, subscribe to our newsletter at founderstime.com for more tips and tricks on how to make your podcast great. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts.